Yeah, if you want, I can just um, I can just read it and speak. Okay, that's absolutely fine. Okay, so just all right. So welcome. And did did someone just take the timer to be responsible? Oh, perfect. Thank you very much. No, that's perfect. This is kind of fly by the seat of our pants today. So um, welcome to the 11th Tradition Marathon meeting. My name is Rachel, and I'm a compulsive eater and your speaker for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones and other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. The session is being recorded. All participants are required to sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or OA as a whole. Please remember, OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. An Ask It basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of this session. Um, If there is any press in the room, please respect our anonymity by not uh, taking any pictures using video camera or using our full names. The format for this session is as follows. I will share for 25 minutes, followed by question and answers for five minutes, followed by open sharing. An Ask It basket will be passed around, and please place your questions in the basket for our speaker. The topic for this session is the 11th tradition, and the speaker for this session is Rachel. Um, Hello, I'm Rachel, compulsive eater. Um, Just so you guys know, I was asked to do this about 30 minutes ago. So, um, I wish I had had a little bit more time to prepare. (laughs) Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing what everybody else also has to share, um, about this. But, um, the 11th tradition, uh, states, uh, for the long hand in the, actually I should probably read the shorthand first is that our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Um, when I came into alcohol, or pardon me, when I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I am not a recovered alcoholic. I'm only a recovered um, compulsive eater. But when I came into OA, we only had AA literature. Um, so everything I know about the 11th tradition happens to be based on the Alcoholics Anonymous 11th tradition. Um, and I know that when the steps were founded in OA, they were founded on AA's 12 traditions. So in the last uh, 40 minutes, I did manage to look up um, Alcoholics Anonymous uh, 11th tradition literature, but I also looked at Al-Anon's 11th tradition literature and a little bit of OA's 11th tradition literature. <laughs> And I gathered a few of the same ideas. Before I go ahead and start, um, the long hand of tradition 11 and 12 in the AA Big Book on page 181 reads, Our relations with the general public should be characterized by personal anonymity. We think AA ought to avoid sensational advertising, or OA, I guess I could say in this case. Our names and pictures as members 
ought not be broadcast, filmed, or publicly printed. Our public relations should be guided by the principle of attraction rather than promotion. There is never a need to praise ourselves. We feel it better to let our friends recommend us. And I thought that was really powerful, um, that there's a suggestion that we don't praise ourselves. Um, I think a lot of people at first think of the natural liability that come um, that comes when we advertise. For example, if there's somebody who's a public figure or a celebrity that explains that they're an active member of a particular 12-step program and then maybe they relapse, or if there's somebody who's a public figure or a celebrity who advertises that they're a part of a 12-step program and I don't like them. <laughs> thus I am deterred from attending that 12-step program. I mean, there are some obvious liabilities that are discussed um, in the 12 Steps and 12 Tradition books, but I think it's equally as important that we adopt um, an attitude of humility um, and not go about praising ourselves and keeping anonymity for the sake of equality. Um, and in the same regard, the 12 uh, Tradition, I know it is a separate tradition, but complements the 11th so well. And in the long hand, it says, and finally, we have Alcoholics Anonymous, or I know in this case we could say Overeaters Anonymous, believe that the principle of anonymity has an immense spiritual significance. It reminds us that we are to place principles before personalities, that we are actually to practice a genuine humility. This is the, um, this to the end that our great blessings may never spoil us that we shall forever live in thankful contemplation of him who presides over us all. Um, in the 12 and 12, uh, on page 181, which is a huge coincidence because I think that was also page 181 in the big book, um, the 12 and 12 explains the difference between attraction and promotion. And uh, Bill Wilson writes that by temptation, nearly every one of us has been an irresistible promoter, like by our character traits. You know, a lot of us come in and a lot of us are a lot of people pleasers and a little quiet and a little passive, but many of us are a little flamboyant and outspoken. Okay. And um, I think in that regard, they call us natural promoters. And the prospect of a society composed almost entirely of promoters was frightening. So consider this considering this explosive factor, we knew we had to exercise self-restraint. So I imagine in the beginning, they were you know, envisioning a lot of Jim Carrey's running around, telling everybody about this fabulous, enormous program. <laughs> and we're considering the natural and enormous liabilities of such things. Um, and by the way, I am not an expert on the 12 traditions, so what I'm saying could be completely incorrect. Um, but these are, this is just what I would naturally gather from reading the available literature. Um, please don't take me as somebody who's done methodical research on this. Um, the he then goes on to say that the change from promotion to attraction resulted in more favorable publicity of AA than could have ever been obtained through all the arts and abilities of AA's best press agents. And I thought that was really cool, that by giving up our self our self-will and our push to control the reputation of an anonymous program and by being willing to surrender that and just be still and just be humble we give god the room to do the work that he wants to do outside of the rooms i mean and obviously within the rooms um sometimes when i live in self-will or collectively we live in self-will um 
I think of uh, I think of having a wound on my body and fiddling with it too much, and that the best way it can heal, and the best way that my skin can repair, and the best way that I can spread new health and goodness is to not touch it. And oftentimes, I think that the more I just focus on health and recovery and humility and service and love and gratitude, then I give God the space to do His miracles outside the rooms in the same way that I give my body the space to do its own natural miracles without me fiddling with the scab, if that makes sense. Um, my friend brought up the, okay, yeah, we already talked about that, the obvious liabilities. Um, the, another thing that came to mind um, was, oh, keeping anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, and public media, um, I believe, keeps two things really sacred. And one of them is our primary purpose, which is relief from the disease of eating problems. And two is um, the equality in the rooms. So how do I explain what I mean? Um, If somebody is not anonymous or there is a lot of focus on their profession or who they are as a personality or their celebrity or even um, just their natural narcissistic tendency to praise themselves. Okay, if somebody is not an anonymous or doesn't carry autonomy in the spiritual sense, um, and of course at the level of press, radio, and film, then um, sometimes as a distracted, selfish, defective person, um, my focus will not be on relief from food and body obsession. <laughs> My focus will be on who's this person in the meeting. And I think that one of the greatest gifts I can give to a meeting is keeping my primary focus on the relief of food obsession and on the relief of suffering from the disease of compulsive eating. Um, And I think that that's a huge gift that we can give to the newcomers too. Um, There's a meeting in my state that has significantly changed because there's a very authoritative figure there and it's slowly dissolved and it's really sad to see. It's gone from about 25 members to almost eight because there's a member there who's so outspoken and so loud and so authoritative and speaks over that the only thing I could think of is, oh, wow, this is no longer, this meeting no longer has a sense of autonomy where everybody is equal and everybody sees themselves on a, on a regular playing field with a sense of humility and, um, and having a common problem and a common solution. Um, and, uh, a lot of the people from that meeting, luckily there was enough recovery that they've started four new meetings in the daytime. So the good thing is there was enough recovery that it spread, but the beauty is that the, when the 11th, when the traditions aren't upheld, then a meeting doesn't survive. But the beauty is that maybe they aren't supposed to survive. Maybe meetings that don't uphold the traditions don't spread health. You know, maybe it's like natural selection of spirituality, just like there's natural selection in biology. Like, that could be kind of a beautiful thing. Um, and I say equality in the rooms uh, for the same reason. I, uh, my um, husband happens to be an engineer, and he said that uh, one of the things he loves about uh, his home group is that, because he also belongs to a 12-step program, is that he plays softball on a sober, meaning any 12-step program, um, softball league. And on his league is our blue-collar workers and white-collar workers and executives and truck drivers and single moms and single dads and gay and lesbians and straights and people of all different races. And there's this huge league of all these... 
And he says it's all because of the 11th tradition. It's all because we're all placed in a position of neutrality and no one says, hey, I'm a lawyer and this is a meeting for lawyers. <laughs> it's like, this is not what we're advertising. And even even in the um, in our meeting printouts, I know that, um, actually, that's probably, I'm probably getting into a different tradition there, so I should stop myself. I apologize. Press radio film, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the last, one of the last few things that came to mind is, um, in a way, we all come in... Uh, we all come in equally. We all share one common problem and one common solution. We suffer from a disease that involves food, and we practice the steps, which brings a spiritual solution. And when promotion and known personalities are involved, unconscious bias can blind a potential newcomer from seeing the hope of recovery. I believe Tradition 11 is also a denial of self-seeking. As the 12 and 12 says, it's a practical reminder that personal ambition has no place in a recovery program or in a 12-step program. And because of this, meaning when we all practice it, each of us becomes an active guardian of the fellowship. And I thought that's a really great personal responsibility to carry, to know that when I sustain my autonomy, I'm guarding the fellowship. Um, I'm keeping it pure in a way. Um, and I'm making, I'm making it a welcoming and shameless place for people who are not like me to come. And I think that's a really awesome thing. Um, and I don't, I know that's not 20 minutes, but I don't really have a lot else. And, um, I am really anxious and excited to hear what other people have to share on this because I really had no material as of 40 minutes ago. <laughs> so thank you for listening. And with that, I will pass. Um, so I, the topic, the speaker is, and it says, I will now draw questions from the Ask It Basket. Do we even have any questions? Oh, that's okay. I don't even know if we'll have any questions today for this. Doesn't look like it? Okay, perfect. That means I think others get to share. I have a quick question. Can you just say again the last thing that you read? Where was that from? Oh, yeah, I apologize. Let me look really quickly. Um, the twelve and the AA 12 and 12. So the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous, they have... Um, if you look in the 11th tradition, yeah, and I'm sorry for those listening, the question was, where was the source of that last part that I read? Um, and any other questions? Perfect. And um, we now have time for some sharing. Please stick to the topic and stop sharing at the end of three minutes. So everyone has three-minute shares. And please sign the recording release. Um, the recording release form before sharing. Is the microphone on? I don't think I... I think it's microphone. Yeah. Oh, right. Got it. Okay. Um, my name is Linda. I'm a compulsive reader and bulimic. Hi. Um, thank you for what you shared. I love always hearing about the traditions because it's so fascinating to me how these fellowships hold together. And um, I was in OA over 20 years ago, and I came back um, in literally across the country, started in New York, now I'm in California, and I walk into a meeting after 20-odd years, and it's virtually the same. And I know it's just not our fellowship. I know it's the other fellowships, and it's just astounding to me. And the reason that they work... And they don't self-destruct like, let's face it, most other human 
organizations or endeavors are a great risk of that. Um, it's because of these traditions, and I just find it amazing. Um, I have a problem I find concerning um, the issues around this tradition. I mean, it's a problem that's gotten a lot better. But um, I found a sponsor right away when I came back a little bit over a year ago. We clicked immediately, worked with her for several months, and then, oh, what do you do for a living? And found out that she is um, a pretty well-known musician um, who's in the public eye. I am um, pretty enamored with celebrity. I like, you know, read the magazines, you know, in touch and all those. And it really, it really was hard for me. I was pretty freaked out for a lot of different reasons. One of the reasons is um, I um, am like a chronic underachiever in terms of my own career. In fact, I, even though I have a master's degree, I'm employed at a job that literally high school students do. I work, you know, I work in a cafe um, due to my own issues. And so on that level, and on the level of kind of being enamored with celebrity, and, you know, probably other levels too, it really affected me. So I feel like ever since I found that out, I've been on a journey to see her as a fellow and, a, and my sponsor and my friend. Um, and I feel really grateful that, you know, I got to know her pretty well before I found out because I had that base of the knowledge of the reality of who she was to fall back on. But boy, it's been a struggle and it continues to be a struggle. Um, I have told other people what she does, um, not many, but a couple. And I realize I do owe her amends. Um, and one rationalization that I've used is like, oh, well, she breaks her own anonymity, so it's okay if I do it. And I swear to God, it wasn't until I walked into this room just now that I was like, oh, she's allowed to break her own anonymity. (laughs) That absolutely in no way is an excuse or a rationalization that I have a right to use. So it's good to realize that. Um, And I told my sister, and my sister told her two friends of hers. And that really, and I want to blame my sister, and I do blame my sister, because she promised that she wouldn't, but that's not where the responsibility starts. You know, my sister doesn't have an 11th tradition. Um, I do. And that was my bad. So I honestly, as much as this has gotten better, and I have talked with my sponsor about it, and she understands I struggle with this, and she understands I've, you know, told people. Um, although I do need to address it more literally with her in a formal amends. However, I totally forgot what I was just going to say. But um, it has gotten a lot better. But it's like pretty much a daily struggle for me to not blab to my fellows in Oakland about, they know her, but they don't know what she does, and they really don't care. Um, You know, I really want to blab it. Um, I have a little bit of a hanger-on thing going on. Like, ooh, I know her. She's my sponsor and she's this person. And so it's been, like, a really great opportunity for me um, to remember that we are all equal and that um, that just that we're all equal and that I need to respect others as the fellows that they are. And um, so this is why I'm at this workshop. This is a big issue for me. So thanks. Chance. Thank you. That's good. 
Okay. Anyhow, hi, I'm Barbara B, and I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, everybody. Um, when I first came into um, LA 30 years ago, we didn't talk about the traditions almost at all in the meetings that I went to. And uh, I don't know that I would have made this connection anyhow with me at that point then, but I was real clear to let people know what I did for a living. And it was about don't mess with me, you know, just keep your distance and don't no no pulling covers, no, you know, confronting me with goofy stuff, you know, and I didn't get that for about 10 years, you know, and, um, and so when I went into another program, I specifically didn't say to anybody, you know, what I did. And I asked my friends who were also in that program not to share that with anybody. And, um, I, I had a sponsor, and I worked with her for about two years. And um, some of the comments she had she had made, I didn't tell her. And some of the comments she had made to me, I thought, you know, maybe I need to let her know, you know, because she's, like, pretty right on. And so I said to her, you know, I need to tell you what I do for a living. And so I did, and she looked at me, and she, well, she said, well, that explains a lot, <laughs> and turned around and walked away. And so that was beautiful. You know, it was an amazing thing. And... Um, and we just kind of went on from there, you know. So anonymity comes up in a whole bunch of different ways. I um, I also took um, I took a retreat list, and I sent out flyers for um, for a recovery cruise that I was speaking on, and somebody quite rightly had a fit, and said, so, you know, we're not supposed to use this for other other things, and I. It never occurred to me till then. So it's this to me is a very sneaky thing. It's like I get it like over time, and um, and I'm glad to do that. Thank you. Yeah. Now we all want to know what you do. <laughs> I'm Rachel, compulsive eater. Um, on a personal note, because I know I gave kind of like a more of a head answer or head talk. Um, there were a few years in my at the beginning of my recovery where I spoke in high schools about eating disorders, um, and a, basically I told my story, the what it was like, what happened, and what I'm like now. Except in the what happened part because of the 11 tradition and because it was public media, I never used the term Overeaters Anonymous. But what I did do is talk about addiction in general. And I said that I found a 12-step program. And then I gave the names and numbers and resources to all sorts of different 12-step programs in the state and said that the 12-step program philosophy and seeing a therapist happened to work for me, but it may not work for everybody. I don't know, but it worked for me. And I found that as a really successful alternative because if for whatever reason, any of those kids did not like my personality, I was hoping I wasn't turning them off from a specific program. Um, but if any of those kids were drawn to my personality, then they could know that the 12-step program was an option. Um, and uh, I feel like that maybe if that was helpful to anybody, 
that hopefully um, that's all that that could be shared. And with that, I pass. I'm not reading. Hi, my name is Susan, and I'm a very grateful. I don't need this either. I'm a very grateful. Oh, okay. I'm a very grateful, obsessive, compulsive eater, and I'm glad to be here. I decided to speak just because I haven't spoke at this conference yet, and uh, and I too um, really love the traditions. Um, um, the eleventh one is uh, especially important to me. Um, that you know, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, and we need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And um, in terms of the the attraction uh, versus promotion, um, you know, like other people, you know, when I first got into program, you know, because it was so did such wonderful things for my for my life and um, that I wanted to tell everyone about it and that I thought I, I had something and they need it too. And, you know, slowly but surely, um, I think that uh, for me, uh, living the program and just being the kind of person that program has helped me to become is more important. And for me, uh, promoting or even mentioning program is something that I I I wait and see if it's a, if it's an appropriate thing to do or not, and um, and I think that uh, I, I think that it's it's a real higher power thing when I know that it might be helpful if I mention this to this person, and um, you know, and I I came in here the kind of person that just thought that wow I, I'm so good now because I've got this and you know, you need it too, and, you know, and slowly but surely that gets eroded away. Um, and I think that the anonymity part for me, I know that people talk about anonymity in terms of, you know, people often talk about um, uh, not having other people, you know, talk about who they are and whether they're in program or not. And for me, the anonymity part has more to do with um, the meeting that was here uh, at, I think it was at uh, 11 o'clock on ego deflation. And for me, um, this tradition actually protects program from people like me who uh, has very low self-esteem and wants to get inflated and puffy all the time. And, um, and this uh, tradition has helped me to understand that this program is not all about me and, and my ego and that it's, we have or I have a primary purpose, and that is to carry the message to other compulsive overeaters or people who are suffering from the disease of, you know, my um, mind, which is anorexia, bulimia, and all sorts of other things that I did to myself. And, um, and, and it's not about an, it's not an ego thing. And, um, and I really, through the program, I really do want to be helpful when it's appropriate and not because I think it's, I've got something that you should have too. And, um, and I think the last thing I want to say is very early on in recovery, I saw a real famous person, and I went, and I, and I, knew, I knew this person, too, and I said, wow, I didn't know you were here. And I went up to an old-timer, and I said, wow, did you know that this, that's so-and-so? And she just took me aside and said, 
we don't do that here, Susan. And then she explained to me about anonymity. And, uh, and, um, and I, too, have a, a famous person in my life, and I just learned that that has nothing to do with what this person's trying to um, help me with the program. So thanks. Uh, I, as you were talking, I noted down three different things that struck me. Um, Hi, Jim. Oh, thank you. I'm Jim, a compulsive eater. Hi, Jim. I'm busy writing my name and thinking what I'm going to say. Um, when I first came into program, which is about a year ago, a little over a year ago, um, everybody there was equal, okay? And being human, not during the meeting, but after the meeting, you tend to meet people, learn find out what people do. That's just a human thing. What do you do for a living? Well, I'm retired, but what did you do? Okay, so really that has nothing to do with anything, with the program. But it's human nature, it's my human nature to find out I'm interested in what people do. And obviously, once I find out what you do, that's how you're graded in my mind. Okay? You know, related to what I do. I'm a professional um, whatever, you may not be a professional, so, well, you're something else, and I'm, and I'm grading it whether, you know, we're on the same level, uh, either intellectually or whatever you want to call it, pay-wise or whatever. But after you get past that, we're all here for the same reason. So that be, then it kind of, as time goes by, meeting with those same people every week in different meetings, that fades away. So, you know, that bothered what the tradition 11 has helped me deal with that, that I don't have to grade, I'm not here to grade people related to myself. Um, the second part that I got out of, I've had some friends ask me, boy, you, looking, you and your wife are looking really good. Well, how, you know, what's been going on? So I'll tell them, well, we belong to a 12-step program, Overeaters Anonymous. And it kind of, most people, that's, you know, goes away that's great you know everything and the third thing is i've had a couple of people well still read the second thing i have a couple of people want to know more about it okay and i'm trying to figure out well where where do i go you know how far how much do i explain because i want them to be interested but i don't want them to be discouraged by what i'm telling them either you know i don't want to give them too much information so the last time that happened i basically gave a little a slight in, introduction to the 12-step program and said, if you're interested, you know, actually it was for his wife. If, she, if your wife is interested or you're interested, call me and we can get together and talk about it or I can, you know, tell you more about it. And I went about it that way. And the, the third thing was I'm always amazed there are not more newspaper ads related to Ovaries Anonymous. Um, not necessarily, and I'm not sure where. I've just never seen one. Every once in a while, I'll hear about an Overeaters Anonymous uh, either article or ad. But when we were looking for an Overeater OA meeting, it was kind of like, well, how do we find out about it? You know, I'm not, I'm not a big Internet person. I'm not a big computer person. And it took a while, a week or two weeks, before we 
came in contact with somebody that was related to Overeaters Anonymous and could point us in the right direction. So again, the 12th, the 11th tradition can be a help or a hindrance in my mind, but I think it's a very good thing that we do have the 12th tradition, so it's not out there, I don't know how to explain it, you know, with press and uh, radio and TV and everything going on all the time. I think that's a good thing. I think the way we do it works well, and I hope it just continues to be that way. Thanks. My name is Corrine, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, when I first came into OA, it was in, I don't know, 80 84. And, um, you know, I just took the minimal and left, you know, after I lost weight and didn't really get into the program, went back out there and, you know, came back in 92 and left and came back in 2000, wasn't impressed and left. Anyway, I came back three years ago, and um, there was a lot of security that I felt in knowing about Tradition 11, that, um, you know, it. I wasn't judged uh, by anybody. Um, the You know, whether I had a college degree or not, it was not relevant. Um, it was the kind of group where, um, although... Yes, the instincts are to find out what people do. That was not the point of the meetings. And um, I felt pretty secure, you know, in in coming back and gradually, you know, taking on those parts of the program that I needed to work for my recovery. Um, in that, in the 11th tradition where it says um, attraction versus promotion, Okay, that's the area that um, was uh, tricky for me at first. You know, once I re- had, you know, was into recovery and had a sponsor, worked the steps, you know, learned about the traditions, and um, uh, I had this more confidence, and I wasn't as, uh, you know, shy and and reserved about it. But um, especially within my, I have a very large extended family, and there are some, you know, probably people that would benefit from the program, but um, the my initial efforts to promote the program were met with, you know, kind of, you know, like, not for me, not for me, I'm not that way, or just sharing the way I was and what it had done for me. And uh, I was in a 12-step program that also does, they do a step AA, OA book, and then they do the tradition and I'm like, you know, once you know, I had done that and gone through it, I realized that, oh, okay, even within my family, the promotion is not the point. It was the attraction. So I became quieter until asked. And um, I feel that there's a great value to that tradition, and I'm really glad to be a part of this fellowship. Thank you. I'm Alice, compulsive overeater, Hi, Alice. and um, 
Anonymity was really important to me in the be- in the beginning because um, I had mentioned to my husband because a friend w- wanted me to go to a meeting with her and that I was going to go to OA. And he went around telling everybody, my wife's going to Fatty's Anonymous. And um, it just tore me up and spit me out, and I wasn't going to go. It took me three more weeks to get there, and I didn't tell him. I had been going to another 12-step program at a church on 10 o'clock on, th- on Friday morning. And so I went to this meeting, was at a church on Friday morning at 10 o'clock. And so I'd be going every Friday. And uh, he was surprised me at this other group. He says, I went to that church and you weren't there. Where were you? And I says, well, I was at a church and I was at a meeting. Oh, I says, and you know, it's nobody's business but mine. And he was like, whoa. But it it really let me know that my anonymity and my going to meetings and what I do for my health, I mean, I'm aging now and everybody's talking about everything that's wrong with them and their toes and their feet and their arms and their legs and and everything. And, you know, when you're dragging that weight around, it's really hard. So um, I didn't tell anybody, but some people noticed that I'd lost and some people were able to ask me. And and they want to know what did I do and what did I, you know, what am I doing? And I says, you know, here's here's our... um, communicate it has a, it has some meetings in it. if you're when you're ready you'll go to a meeting and i it, because um it, before that i was just saying well I, you know what do you eat that's the first thing they ask you what do you eat and i says that has nothing to do with what i eat well it must be because you're losing weight i says but you don't understand here's here's the meetings if you need a meeting you can go and more people have gone with that information than me telling them a story or telling them what I eat or don't eat. It's none of their business. It doesn't matter because I could eat something and I'm fine, but they could have allergic reaction to it. So it's not the food. And that was really important to me. And the part about, um, press radio and films, we have a lot of uh, public service announcements that are so wonderful. And, um, you can get them through uh, OA.org. You can get them through R2OA.org. And, um, there's so many ways of getting the program, and um, and they did have they have um, we even put things in Craigslist in our in our region in our uh, inner group. They put a, a note every day, the thought for the day from one of our one of our readings, and they say you know where the meeting is or what you know call oa.org, and and so we've gotten a lot of response to that. So it's not advertisement, it's public service, and we do want people to know that we're here. Thank you. All right, I'm Rachel Compulsivitor. Um, I will share one last thing that my sponsor said that was um, amazing. Oh, and look, there are a few questions here too, so I'll answer those. But um, one thing he said is, you know, Rachel, the uh, 11th step says that we have personal anonymity at the level of press radio film. He said, but any anonymity beyond that is not carrying the message. <laughs> and I laughed and I said, oh, my word. And um, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. And... Um, so I have to remember that for me, um, you know, and, and he says, you know, in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it encourages us to tell our employers if it's beneficial to the workplace. And, um, 
And, you know, of course, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that, you know. <laughs> and everybody's different, you know, in, in some, I'm sure in some people's circumstances, telling their workplace may be damaging to their work or their their reputation at work. So in that case, maybe it's not appropriate. Um, in in other people's circumstances, it may be a benefit. Maybe it allows you to go to a meeting on your lunch break and work an extra half hour in the evening. Like, I don't know. But I have to remember that um, it's personal anonymity in macro situations so that I can sustain ego deflation and so that I don't harm the OA organization. But by no means am I supposed to withhold um, telling people at a macro level in my personal life that I'm in Overeaters Anonymous if it helps carry the message. Um, and that's it. And so some of the questions here were, um, if you found out about OA earlier in your life, how would you feel? It's so funny. I was just talking to a friend about this, um, about how wonderful it would be if I had known about OA in high school. I came in at 23. I'm, um, 31 now. And, um, but I know it sounds, I don't know how I would have felt if I found OA earlier in my life because I didn't find OA earlier in my life. Uh, however, I, I suspect that God knew when I would be ready. And so maybe, maybe the grace was in that I didn't know about it earlier so that knowing about it didn't spoil a later opportunity for me to be successful in the program. And what I mean by that is, Maybe had I known about it in high school, I would have, I think right now that I would have been willing, but maybe I wouldn't have been willing. I would have done the program half-heartedly, and then I would have said at 17 years old, oh, OA doesn't work. And then when I was really ready and desperate at 23, I wouldn't have considered even trying OA. So maybe it was God's grace that I didn't find OA earlier in my life. I have no idea. I just know that I'm glad I did find it when I did. Um, the last one is any tips for a more perpetual at acceptance. Hmm. Momentary surrender and acceptance of God's will for me is easy. Any tips for a more perpetual acceptance? Um, like a more perpetual state of acceptance, I suspect this means. And um, I think my only tipped tip for sustaining... Um, an attitude of regular acceptance and um, love and connection with a higher power would be to live in steps 10, 11, 12 on a daily basis. So with step 10, um, whenever I feel an uncomfortable feeling cropping up, I have instructions on how to deal with that, which is that I identify what's going on, um, what's bothering me. I found out my part. I tell another person immediately what my part is so that I'm not living a double life. I ask God to remove my part and then I turn my thoughts to somebody I can help. So sometimes I make five, 10 step calls a day. If I'm upset five times a day, um, those are specific instructions that keep me from being blocked from the sunlight of the spirit. Um, step 11 pretty much says that I make conscious contact with my higher power in the morning before, um, it says upon awakening. So before I get out of bed and in the evening before I go to sleep as I retire at night, so um, it does give specific instructions um, or guidelines for doing an 11-step if someone doesn't have a practice 11-step, but the way I read it is that I'm pretty much doing a 10-step in the morning and in the night, and I'm calling that my 11-step. 
And um, if I'm really doing 10 steps throughout the day and in the morning at the night, it's really hard to sustain self-will for very long. Like it's <laughs> Because the minute I get upset, I'm on the phone with someone in the program. And if they're working a program and they're going to help me find my part where I'm being selfish, dishonest, resentful, or afraid, where I'm being demanding or I'm fantasizing or I'm trying to control what somebody thinks of me, if I'm finding where I'm responsible, my upset cannot have a very long um, half-life to direct my life and to direct my thinking. And um, I'm inviting God in to direct the show, and then I get into acceptance, or I remove myself from a situation. So um, I would say that the steps, that's my tip, is do the steps. And um, thank you for listening. It is now time to close the meeting. Um, thank you all who have done service for this session and been uh, active participants. Let's please stand and join hands, and we close with the serenity prayer. I was going to say there was one. Are you speaking of procrastination? Yeah, me either. Rachel? Yes. Hi, my name's Linda. Hey, Linda. What's up, Robert? I'll be from Arizona. Hi.